I'm very excited to bring forward a beautiful superwoman here. This is Ellen Grandstrand. You are an educator. You are the founder of The Empowered Woman. You are a speaker and you're here to work with women to help them overcome anxiety, binge eating. I really want to begin with your story. Like up until I was 15, 16 years old, I didn't really have any kind of issues with it. Didn't really think too much about my body. I was just very insecure as a child and kind of like the quiet, shy girl in the back of the class. And then there was a new girl starting in our class and she was everything that I wanted. Like she was confident, she was bubbly, but she was also very open about having an eating disorder. Us girls, like when you're that age, you don't really understand that that's not healthy. You just say, okay, she's popular, she's not eating, that's what I need to do as well to become popular. Basically half my class stopped eating and it became like a competition. I realized I was really good at losing weight. I was finally getting that attention that I wanted and I didn't even have to do anything. What started off as quite innocent really, just trying to lose weight to fit in, quickly escalated into a full-blown eating disorder. If you've ever had an eating disorder, you'll know this, that it becomes your best friend. I remember I came home from school one day and my mom was crying and she said, Ellen, I know that you're not eating, I know that you're lying to me, and I'm just so worried that you're gonna die. You know, even if my goal is to become the skinniest person in the world, that's the only thing that matters to me right now, my relationship to my mom is more important. If you were to give that one piece of advice, that key, what would that one key be? Welcome to the Queendom. And we are here with Keys to the Queendom. I'm very excited, honoured and queenified to bring forward a beautiful superwoman here all the way in Bali. I just want to add, this is Ellen Grandstand. Grandstrand. I knew we were going to do this, my love. <laughs> Now, you are an educator. You are the founder of The Empowered Woman. You are a speaker and you're here to work with women to help them overcome anxiety, binge eating, and the all or nothing mentality. It's so nice to have you here, beautiful human. How are you? Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited. Like I was talking to one of my friends about this yesterday. I was like, ah, I'm so excited to go to this podcast tomorrow. So um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Everyone's going to see you already because as we're speaking right now, you know, you're glowing, you've got a beautiful tan, like there's beautiful energy already radiating from you. Um, Obviously, it's just, again, it's so nice to see and everyone will start to feel into that when we go into our our episode. But first and foremost, my love, you know, I really want to begin with your story, you know, why you became the person you are now, even the way that you're living and breathing what you're truly passionate about and share with our beautiful listeners. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I'm always very open about sharing my story because I think it's really, like sharing is healing and sharing your story will help someone else. Um, And I also think it's very important for us coaches to show that, you know, we're not perfect. And I know that's something that is quite easy to do, like someone that you might look up to or someone you hire is like, oh, they're never going to be able to understand me. They're not going to be able to resonate because they haven't been through what I've been through. So just like yourself, like when you came on my podcast, it, it, you shared your beautiful story. And I think that's so powerful because it allows other people to be vulnerable as well and see that they're not alone. So my story started quite young, um, like up until I was 15, 16 years old, I didn't really have any kind of issues with food, didn't really think too much about my body. Um, I was just very insecure as a child and that always surprises people because they're like well you're so outgoing now and so bubbly and like I'm speaking like in front of you know hundreds of people so 
um hasn't always been like that (laughs) but yeah so up until I was like 15 years old I wasn't I was kind of like the quiet shy girl in back of the class didn't really speak up or anything like that Mm. and then there was a new girl started in our class and she was everything that I wanted like she was confident she was bubbly she like became so popular with all the girls and like all the guys wanted her and like that's you know amazing but she was also very open about having an eating disorder and right. like this was you know 15 years ago in Sweden we didn't call it an eating disorder we were young we just or she just said oh I just don't eat like I just try to lose weight and she was mm-hmm. already tiny so us girls like when you're in that age you don't really understand like the health like you don't understand that that's not healthy you just say okay she's popular she's not eating that's what I need to do as well to become popular so Mm -hmm. basically half my class just stopped eating and it became like a competition in school of who can lose the most weight and like all we're talking about at recess like I remember so vividly like sitting in the class outside the classroom on the bench and being like oh like I lost this much weight or like someone saying like oh these clothes no longer fit me because I lost like I lost too much weight or um like how we could lie and make up things so we didn't have to eat and how much exercise we were doing it just became like the thing that we did um and like most girls like stopped after like a few weeks or so because they're like this is ridiculous like it's just not healthy and sustainable but I realized I was really good at losing weight and finally people would come up to me and say things like wow like Ellen like, you look amazing and my god I wish I had your willpower I wish I was as hardworking as you and I could lose as much weight as you have so you know I was finally getting that attention that I wanted and mm-hmm. I didn't even have to do anything all I had to do was just keep losing weight so what started off as quite innocently just trying to lose weight to fit in mm-hmm. quickly escalated into a full-blown eating disorder because I was like, oh, well, if I'm getting this much attention now, what happens if I lose more weight? And what happens if I lose more weight? So I just kept getting, my diet kept getting stricter and stricter and stricter. And also, like, as my body adapted to the lower calories, of course, I had to drop them even more. Yeah. So what started off, like, quite, like a bit healthier diet maybe but towards the end it was just like I would basically cut up an apple in four pieces and then that was my four meals for the day wow it was it just consumed my whole life and once if you've ever had an eating disorder you'll know this that it's like it becomes your best friend it becomes the only thing that's important to you like I, I was lying to every single person that I knew. I was lying about where I was, if I had eaten that day, where I'd been, like if I had exercised, like my every waking moment went to, okay, how can I exercise as much as possible? And how can I lie about what I'm eating? How can I hide food? How can I get out of eating certain things? And it just took over my whole life. It was the only thing that mattered to me. And I remember I was so miserable that mm. at, at one point I, I remember walking on this like dirt road in Sweden, pitch black dark, and I just thought like I just wish like a car would hit me because I I honestly don't want to live anymore. Like I'm so consumed by this eating disorder um, that, but I don't know how to get out, and I didn't mm. want to ask for help because I was so proud of myself for getting to that point where I was so skinny that people were now like oh like you're a little bit too skinny now 
but I didn't know who I was if I wasn't that. Like I didn't want to go back to being nobody. So I I remember I came home from school one day and my mum was crying in the hallway. And I'd never seen my mum cry up until this point. Mm. And she just turned to me and she said, Ellen, I know that you're not eating. I know that you're lying to me. And I'm just so worried that you're going to die. And that's when I decided that, you know, even if my goal is to become the skinniest person in the world, and that's the only thing that matters to me right now, yeah. my relationship to my mom is more important. So that's when I decided to start eating again. And anyone who's had an eating disorder knows that it's not that easy. <laughs> and that's probably one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made, that I didn't get professional help. Because this is when my binge eating started. Um, and I felt probably even worse about myself than I did when I had my anorexia because I was no longer that skinny person. I now gained loads of weight because I hadn't eaten in so long. Of yeah. course, I was going to gain weight quickly. So I didn't, I wasn't skinny anymore in my eyes. I couldn't stick to a diet anymore. So I felt like I had no real power. This person who was super hardworking and so dedicated that everyone looked up to, she felt I felt like she was gone. Yeah. And now I was binge eating. I had no control. And, you know, I would binge and then I would have a couple of days restricting and then I would binge. Like one small little thing would happen. Like someone would have one like, cupcake brought into school or to work or something. And then that would just be enough for me to set, set me off to binge again. And this went on for years. Um, I moved to Australia when I was 21, still binge eating. Um, I got into this gym. I hadn't really trained like with a trainer before. And I was there like doing classes like back to back to back to back, like three hours every day. And the coach was like, well, Ellen, you're here all the time anyway. Like you might as well do a bodybuilding competition because it's kind of what, what people did at the time, 10 years ago. It was, it was just everyone does a competition <laughs> so I was like well this is perfect like now I have the accountability of a coach I have to get on stage in a mm -hmm. bikini so I can bring back that mindset of being that hardest worker in the room the being the super dedicated person and being that person that everyone looks up to because she has such a strong willpower so I did this bodybuilding prep it was 12 weeks of eating freaking no food <laughs> And I had read somewhere that bodybuilders have like one cheat meal. So every single day or every single week in this prep, I'd gone out and I bought like all of the, the foods that I was craving. And I had had this huge box of just everything that you can think of, like cake, lollies, chocolate, ice, everything. Yeah. And after the comp, I said, one day, I'm just going to have one day of eating and then that's it. And I'm going to go back to this super strict diet and I'm going to be the person who is complete all year round. I'm going to prove everyone wrong. Like no one is as strong as I am. I am the hardest worker. So I did the comp, came home, ate all of the foods, woke up the next day. And I was like, you know what? I'm not ready to go back to work. Like I need another day of eating. <laughs> I called in sick to work um, just to have another day of eating. And you know, my binge eating was already bad up before the comp, but after, holy crap, it, it just completely escalated. I'd spent hundreds of dollars on food every single week. I, I was so ashamed that I, I would drive to like one KFC, get 
a meal and then I would eat it in my car and then I would draft another KFC because I didn't want the possibility of them recognizing me. So I was like, I have to go somewhere else so that they don't think I'm a pig. So I went to another KFC, I would eat that food and I would drop some random street in the middle of nowhere, just throw the bin, throw the rubbish there because like, I didn't want anyone to know what I was doing. Yeah. And, you know, this, I kind of quickly realized that, okay, bodybuilding wasn't for me. Like I said, well, I'm, I'm a failure anyway because I couldn't be complaining all year round. But I still like training. So that's when I got into CrossFit um, and it, it really, really changed my percept- perceptive of my body. Like I, I felt like, okay, well, I can actually train to feel good now. And people here are looking up to me because I work really hard. So it was nice to not have to look a certain way. Yeah. But I was still binge eating. Like I was still, I would come in some days, I was so full that I nearly puked in the warm up because I just, you know, eaten a whole family size McDonald's or something and mm-hmm. lollies and chocolate. And other days I'd come in and I was so tired because I had been restricting for three days to make up for the binge eating. So then I was feeling like shit anyway. And after six months of doing that, I kind of realized, well, maybe my nutrition isn't right. Like maybe it's not actually normal to wake up every Monday with a food hangover. Maybe it's not normal to feel this sick and to spend this much money on food. Because like up until this point, like, I'd been dieting or binging since I was 15. Like, I didn't know what was normal anymore. Yeah. So I started working with a macro tracking coach. And this was, you know, way, like, before flexible dieting was really a thing. So it was very strict. It was very, like, these are your macros. You hit them spot on. That's what you do. And, again, like, if you're listening to this, you're probably like, she's very old enough. (laughs) I had a very, my identity was I'm the hardest worker in the room. That's yeah. me. That's always going to be me. So whenever into CrossFit, people are like, wow, you're so, like, you're always training. You're working so hard. I got that approval. With the macro tracking, straight away, I basically swapped my binge eating for an addiction for tracking macros. Mm. Became the best macro tracker in their whole company. I became their ambassador. They blasted me all over social media because of how dedicated I was. So again, became my identity. And, you know, I was so obsessed with tracking that I, if I pre-logged 50 grams of broccoli and I had 53 grams on the scale, I said, well, I'm going to cut off three grams then because it has to be exactly 50 grams. Like there wasn't even a thing for me to not hit my macros. Like people always ask, like, how do you hit those last macros? I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) Like you just have like a teaspoon of olive oil then like you have to hit your fat. Like that's, that's normal in my head yeah and my coach was very like encouraging of this as well um and then I went home to Sweden that year for Christmas and I wasn't even excited because I was just worried about tracking my food how are people going to react and after a few days of being home I kind of realized that what am I doing like no one here is tracking their food no one here is obsessing about the scales or weighing every single thing that goes into the body and they're all happy. Like, they seem like they have great lives. So that's when I decided that maybe this wasn't the answer either. Like, maybe tracking also wasn't the magic pill that I wanted. Mm. But I'd already started studying nutrition at this point, And I liked, like, helping people. Like, I felt really, it felt really good for me. So I came back to us and I started, like, researching, found flexible dieting, tried it on myself, loved it. 
started my business. I based my business on it for four and a half years, got great results for women all over the world. But what I realized was that, yes, the nutrition was interesting, but it was, for me, it was always about the mindset. Like we would do spend like one minute on looking at my fitness pal. And then it was like, okay, but why did you do that? How did you feel when that happened? What was it that led you to do that? Why do you think that you've spent 30 years of your life not being able to stick to a diet? Like, why do you think that you always self-sabotage in the weekends? So I became, people started coming to me just more to work on the mindset side, more than the nutrition. And I got more and more clients who were binge eating, more and more clients who had, you know, the all nothing mindset or confidence or mm-hmm. um, like negative body image thoughts. And I realized that like this nutrition stuff, that that's great, but I'm not the most passionate about this. There's people out there that are so passionate about this. Let them do their thing. I'm going to do the binge eating, the all nothing mindset, the anxiety. That's what I'm like, what lights my soul up. So I became qualified in NLP and CBT. And that was the funniest thing because I was like, hmm, I've never heard about these things before, but this is how I have always been coaching. Mm. So it's kind of like just a tick that I needed to be like, this is what I'm actually meant to do. I'm not meant to be a nutrition coach. Like I'm meant to do what I do now. And I'm meant to educate women. And I'm meant to, you know, be a speaker and come on podcasts and help people with this. I'm not meant to tell them how many macros to eat. Um, so yeah, long, that was a very long story, but that's how I got to where I am now. <laughs> So first off, thank you. That is a very, very beautiful, vulnerable and an amazing journey you've been through. And everyone that would have been listening, including myself throughout that, felt a lot of relatable scenarios in myself throughout. So I just wanted to say thank you for bringing that forward for me to recognize and how powerful and amazing of a human you are. Thank you for being that person. Oh, thank you so much. I get goosebumps from saying that. You need more goosebumps. And what I want to bring forward, obviously, the 30, was it the 30 years before where there was more about the obsession and addiction? And then once you stepped into the NLP and the CBT stuff, that's when you started to really focus on healing for yourself. Mm. And if that's the case, what was the first healing journey you you started to discover within yourself that led you to where you are now often have you said i spent my whole life studying i've been to school my whole life and i've actually learned nothing that teaches me the tools and strategies to build a successful business in the outside world you've probably spent thousands of dollars on courses or you've heard fake news from business gurus well i'm here to give this incredible news to everyone here right now that this is queen stream university get out of debt and actually start making money in the online space knowing and having the foundations to build a successful business now i'm talking because i have gone through the trenches i have been a fitness coach built my online business as a pro athlete and now i am a business coach you'll go from having absolutely no idea what your business is through in the eight weeks learn the foundations of knowing what your purpose is your vision and mission and also understanding your business values with the execution to know what that business is. You'll also learn branding, social media, content strategy, marketing, and more importantly, how to sell. With Queenstream University, it'll cut out the bullshit and remove all the fluff 
and get you working specifically on your business so you can execute this in eight weeks to get ready to launch. I wanted you to have something where you get to access something straight away, where you get to fast track your growth, as well as remove any doubt, any overwhelming sensation or stress, or the question that everyone seems to ask, where do I begin? With Queen's Dream University, you'll be able to build wealth, freedom, and at the end of the day, be an entrepreneur and be able to say, I have finally built my own thing my own business and I've stopped making money for someone else and I'm now making money for my own empire. Queen Stream University. Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, I think I spent a lot of time in denial and it wasn't really until I started helping other people that I realized that, damn, like I have a lot of healing that I need to do as well. And then I started working with like different mindset coaches, different uh, life coaches. Um, did so much reading, like so much. I spent all my waking time like reading books, listening to podcasts, um, working with different mentors, working with different yeah coaches. And I think that's what really helped me get to where I am now. Um, and especially like. Like, I felt pretty good in my body and with my mindset when I moved to Bali a year ago. But in the last six months, I feel like I have just grown this incredible acceptance for myself and how I look. And no longer, uh, like, I realized that I was still holding on to that not good enough, not beautiful, not important that I kind of grew up thinking. Like, I thought I had completely healed that. But being here made me realize, like, when I took the time to really do that deep stuff and doing a lot of breath work, sitting with my thoughts, meditations, really slowing down and yeah. being able to regulate my nervous system, I realized that I had a lot of healing, more more healing to do. And, yeah, that's why I feel like now I've really, really became come to a place where I, I do truly accept myself for what I look like. I really want to go into so much of the things that you help your clients with. But before we do, you know, I really want to bring forward this self-acceptance piece because Mm -hmm. a lot of myself included still to this day, and a lot of, I know a lot of the listeners would feel this too. There's always this element of not feeling good enough. Yeah. And I find that this has been a massive pattern for a lot of women, um, whether they've come from a broken family or not it's it's so diverse you know I used to feel like I was the only person going through this sort of feeling of not feeling good enough but the more I speak to women uh the more I get to interview people every single day that sort of theme keeps popping up do you know where your not good enough feeling came from when you were young yeah (laughs) um yeah I've spent so much time thinking about this and working with different coaches on it and I realized that, well, for me, it's two pieces. So one, I, so before I even say any of this, I want everyone to know that most of your subconscious mind, so the mind that's kind of always taking in the background, like the habits, those thoughts that they keep repeating themselves, most of this is formed in your childhood. So those years between zero to seven, that's when you form most of this mind and those limiting beliefs that we all have, by the way, like, yeah, I help people with this, but I still have limiting beliefs. You're always mm-hmm. going to have. Yeah. 
these are thought formed in your childhood. So those experiences are going to affect you as an adult now. And yeah. that's completely fine. But the more we can know about where it stems from, the easier it's going to be to overcome them and realize that, oh, this is an old pattern playing in my mind. So what I've realized for myself is, first of all, from my dad, always trying to look for his approval, always trying to like be the best child, the best daughter, like always trying to live up to his like incredibly high expectations of me. And I spend a long time really being angry with him for this. Like, why could he never just say that that was enough? Or why could he never just say like, I love you just as you are. But I've realized now that he, you know, he was trying his best and he just wanted me to be the best version of me. And that was very powerful to be able to see that because, you know, I spent so long resenting him for it. So that's one part. And then the other part is from the eating disorder of growing up and, you know, losing all that weight and getting all of that validation so early. And wow, like, and it was basically gone from zero to nothing. I, I, people don't really, didn't really notice me. And all of a sudden it was like, wow, like, oh my God, you're amazing. And yeah that stemmed from being working super hard and that was what people said your willpower your dedication you work so hard that's when people noticed me so then that translated into even for work now like I feel like I think a lot of women or men probably as well have this um attachment to needing to always do yeah and not just be yeah and always wow. having to work always having to you know, do stuff, always having to do, be better. And I talk to so many, like Bali's full of entrepreneurs, full of people who work online. And I'm sure you can relate to this too, that mm. we become so addicted to that feeling of always doing, of always creating, of always working a little bit harder, that when we're not doing that, it feels weird. It feels off. It feels like, this is not me. This is not, you know, like, I feel awful. Like this is strange. And then our minds are going to go and look for things to do and things to like think about. Yeah. Even sometimes, like if I go away here, I notice when I'm, when I, my mind becomes calm, thoughts of the past will pop up. Like, what about yeah. this problem? What about this argument that you have with someone 10 years ago? Like, what does she think of you? And this is so normal because we've trained ourselves to be in that fight or flight state, to basically be like high-functioning anxiety addicts. So I have to also be completely transparent, babe. When you spoke about your father, I have very similar stories as well, the, the, the not feeling good enough from his upbringing as well. He was German, so I don't know if that's something to do with Yeah, probably. Well. I don't know that <laughs> I'm not putting a perception yeah. there. Um, but I just wanted to say that, like, for me to just reflect on that myself, it's been something that's been coming up as well with mm. the validation, not feeling good enough and always wanting to seek his approval. And if that wasn't met, I was a failure. Yeah. And I think that's a very big common thing for a lot of women as well. But I just wanted to say cool. and bring that forward. So thank you for bringing that up. And when it comes to self-sabotage, when it comes to working with women now, I thought we mm. could get into more now understanding the difference between eating disorders and disorderly eating and what you give for both uh, when it comes to working through self-sabotaging behaviours. Mm, yeah. So the thing with all self-sabotage, all addictions, 
which is basically what binge eating is an addiction. Mm. It's that they all happen when we are in that fight or flight state, when we're mm. not actually being present. So to just simplify what I do is I help people become aware. I help mm. people come back to the now and become present, help them regulate their nervous system, help them feel calm and feel safe being calm. Because what happens when we create, like I said before, that feeling of always being anxious, of always needing to do, is that our bodies, our brains are going to go and look for things to put us back into that heightened state because that's what we have created as a safe zone. That's what feels normal for us. So what I do is I help these women see that, okay, this is an old, this is a pattern and a thought that you've had a lot of times that you have repeated in your mind until it became a habit. So now, anytime you feel something like that's a bit uncomfortable, mm. your brain is going to create it, has created this shortcut to this behavior that's mm. binge eating. So let's say that you started binge eating when you were feeling a little bit stressed. Maybe you I don't know, got lost your job and you started binge eating because that's how you felt that you had to deal with this stress. You were so stressed. It's like, oh, I just need to just not think about it for a while. I just need to eat and just numb myself and just get out of it. So what's your brain going to do? Okay, well, every time she feels stressed, she has binged in the past. So we're going to create a shortcut to this behavior because our brains are very lazy. They don't like to think. They don't like to have to be like, hmm, what should we do here? It's like, okay, well, what's something that's familiar that we've done in the past, we're going to do that again. So what happens when we've done this enough times, like I said, we create a shortcut, it becomes a habit. And then whenever you're feeling an emotion, a feeling that's similar to this, Mm. so it might have started when you were stressed, and then it might be when you're sad, and then it might be when you're angry, your brain's going to go, hmm, what did we do last time we experienced something similar to this? Well, we ate, and that obviously worked that time because we're still here, we're still alive. Let's do that again. Yeah. So whenever what's going to happen is that if you're not allowing yourself to properly feel and properly regulate, you know, what's going on by expressing this feeling, by Mm. letting it out, by crying, by being upset, by screaming, whatever it is that you need to do to actually feel the feeling. So you're going to numb it, you're going to suppress it, and it's going to come out in a form of self-sabotage, like binge eating or depression, or you might be really angry with your partner or whatever it is for you and so basically what I do is I help these people become aware of what is actually going on for you what is the actual feeling yeah what is the feeling representing where is it coming from and what is it that you actually need right now Mm. and you can't do that when you're in fight or flight yeah because your brain I said like when your brain thinks that you have to literally run from a lion because you're going to get eaten it's not going to go do I need a hug? <laughs> like it's gonna go now, full speed ahead. It's time to run because you're like in a freaking stress mode here. Yeah. So the way I try to explain this to my clients is your brain doesn't know the difference between you being stressed out from a work report not being due to you being stressed out because you're about to get attacked. Yeah. Stress is stress. It's the same thing. It thinks it, it feels the same to the body. Mm. So what we're doing when we're trying to change this habit of going to food is basically like you changing the path that you have walked on to avoid alliance, for example. In this path, you walk there a million times. It feels safe for your brain. 
your brain knows that this path isn't the nicest path. There's going to be holes you might fall. There might be trees that you scratch yourself on. But your brain knows that. It's mm. safe. It might not be comfortable, but it's safe because you know exactly what's going to happen. You know where those rocks are. You know where you're going to scratch yourself. What we want to do now is we're creating a new path, mm. a new neural pathway in your brain, a new path from the lions. Yeah. And that might be on the other side, but, and, but we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen there because you've never walked there before. Yeah. You don't know where you're going to trip. You don't know where the holes are. You don't know if a lion's going to wake up and chase you down the road. So, of course, your brain's going to flip. Of course, yeah. your brain's going to go, nah, no, 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 no. Like, binge eating is safe. That's what, we, that's what we're used to do. Like, that we've done that a million times. It feels comfortable. Let's just yeah. go back there. And this is when we're going to hear those thoughts of, oh, just one last time, just a little bit. No, it's actually not that bad. No, you don't need that coach. Like, it's, it's like you can do this yourself. We start again Monday. That's just your brain's way of trying to protect you by keeping you on this old path that it knows. Yeah. So I want to love to, I would love to hear what you do in those moments because I have those tendencies too. It's like, it's very similar to when we obviously take risks in our business or building our Definitely. empires, doing something scary and new, you know, leaning into discomfort. Yeah. Um, but the listeners listening, when it comes to navigating through that brain, those patterns, those thoughts, what are some of the resources you give your clients when it comes to actioning? Once they've got through the self-awareness, how do they change that? How do they reframe it? Hey, beautiful kings and queens. Are you right now in a space where you're ready to take action and build your business, yet you struggle where to begin? You're feeling stuck and overwhelmed with all the things you need to do when it comes to building a business. Build the business of your dreams in the online space and be in the arena of all the incredible, great humans out there that are building seven to eight figure businesses. Now, the foundations that I truly believe in that you are going to learn through this membership is sales, marketing, content creation, social media, money mindset, and of course, branding. Now, all of this will be accessible for you to be learning what is currently hot right now in the market and how you can create your own business and build a successful business in the online space. All you have to do right now is DM Empire in my Instagram or email myself and my team and we will get the ball rolling so you can have your empire and start making moves in the online space. Yeah, yeah. So the first thing we need to do is become aware of it. So most people will not. Most people just react like that. It's going, yeah. oh, this is what we do now. This is what we do. And we spend you know, 90% of our time in that subconscious mind just reacting to things mm. without even really knowing why that happened. So the first thing we need to do is become aware of, ah, oh, okay, I'm having the thought that I'm not good enough or I'm having the thought that I need to binge. So I think that what really helps is to not just say I'm, I want to binge, but actually putting that I'm having the thought because yeah. it kind of creates the distance between you that you are not your thoughts. Your thoughts are just there because it's something that you have conditioned yourself to, to think and to believe in. But that's not actually true. It's just a thought. So first of all, saying, oh, I'm having the thought that I'm not good enough or that I'm not beautiful or I want to binge. Is it true? If I asked you to take this to court, what evidence could you present to me that, that you are not good enough? Or that you are not beautiful. How would you present that to me? And that's really going to help make you think like, hmm, 
Okay. Why do I think that then? Oh, it's mm. because I'm like I've gained twenty kilos. Okay, well, loads of people who gain twenty kilos, that's still beautiful. Like are you yeah. saying that all the people who've gained weight are ugly? Mm. So really just taking the time to question yourself and swapping that judgment that we have been taught by parents, by teachers, by you know, growing up, social media, whatever. Swapping that judgment of curiosity. Like, where is this coming from? Is it yeah. actually true? And how can we then go one step further and build compassion for ourselves? Okay, how can you show yourself that you actually do deserve to eat, to move yeah. your body, to be loved? How can we show yourself that even though you did all those things, you did them because you had to do them at the time, that's mm -hmm. what your body thought was right. Your brain thought that was what was right at the time for you. It created this pattern because it, it was what it thought you needed. Yeah. But how can we now, so how can we show yourself that it's okay? You can have a lot of compassion for yourself. Mm. And it's okay that you did that. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It's just a defense mechanism. And now we want to change that because we're not in danger anymore. Compassion seems to be a really common thing and a lot of women do not have until they start to have that awareness piece. When yeah. did you have compassion for yourself, my love? Like when I started feeling it? Mm. Um, it was when I started doing this deeper level mindset work, mm. I realized how hard I had been on myself and how much of my motivation was from guilt, from not feeling good enough. Mm. I had just worked myself into a hole of, you know, being constantly doing, tapping very much into that masculine energy of always doing and being very structured and planned and everything micromanaged. And I realized that, the way for me to overcome this is to have compassion for myself and to have compassion for that young girl yeah. who created this pattern because that's what she thought she needed to do to be loved. And that's what it all stems back from. Like we, once you can realize, understand where this is coming from and why you did it, that's when you can start accepting that part of yourself and have compassion for you for doing what you felt like you had to do at the time to, to be loved and to be accepted. Hmm. And until you do that, I really don't think that you can build a complete self-acceptance because you're always like where everyone has done things in the past that you might look at now, like, Oh, I shouldn't have done that. But that was still a part of you. Yeah. And you did that because you thought that that's what you had to do. That doesn't make it bad. It's just what you felt was right. So you have to have compassion for yourself for doing mm. what you thought was right. Everyone wants to be loved and accepted, right? Yeah, exactly. Like that's what it all stems back from. And mm. if you were brought up in an environment where you felt like you weren't loved and, loved and accepted, of course you're going to go out in your adult life and try and find that. And that could be from... A lot of people get into bodybuilding for this reason because they want that validation from other people and they want other people to tell them that they're good enough and trophies and pictures and whatever. 
a lot of women that I work with turn to sex, like mindless sex with different guys, constantly dating fuck boys. Um, <laughs> because they just, <laughs> just, just want, you want that validation. And yeah. it's like, well, okay, if I'm not getting it from him, then maybe I can get it from the next guy. What if I just am just a little bit better in bed? Or what if I just like am a little bit more sexy or dress a little bit more sexy? Then more people are going to want me. And what we really need to do is we need to not judge ourselves for doing that, mm. but understand like where is this actually coming from? And at the end of the day, like it is just that little girl that we all have inside of us that is trying to be loved. And we need to show her that she is loved. <laughs> so many moving parts when you said that, beautiful. Um, going back to just a few things we said before, we were talking about moving on to the next thing, you know, and this is a pattern that women do with binge eating in their businesses and seeking that validation. But I also feel like it's attachment, almost like I saw this post the other day when it comes to women in business where they are in their masculine so much that they're seeking, you know, the next thing when it comes to more, more, more in work and more, more, more in building their empire. Do you feel like with yourself now doing all the work or still doing the work, let's just say, right, um, within yourself in business and your personal life now that you know what it feels like to feel present and who you need to be in order to become that successful entrepreneur? Big question there. <laughs> <laughs> if I feel like I, I, I know who I need to be. Yeah. Yeah. So now, yeah, understanding um, the difference between chasing the thing mm. versus now knowing who you are, who mm. you need to be, and being so present in what you're here to do in, as, an, as an entrepreneur. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Um, I do know, like, I have, I have a crystal clear vision of what that looks like. Am I there yet? No. Mm. I'm not. I love that. And, I truthfully, I don't know if I'll ever be a hundred percent there. Mm. I I'm 31 now and I don't think I've ever had more than a few days where I have haven't had any negative thoughts yeah. or any like work more or do harder or like comparing myself. I think I think that social media has portrayed this picture that we have these people who are perfect, who never think a negative thing about their body, who are so solid in who they are and their business that they never, ever question themselves. I personally don't really believe that's possible. I think that we're always, because we can't control our thoughts, right? Like you're going to have thoughts of, oh, I should do more. Oh, I'm, she's like way better than me. Or oh, why she's so far ahead. and I think that a lot of women have been taught that you shouldn't feel jealous and you shouldn't feel disappointed. You shouldn't feel like, like hard be hard on yourself. So what happens? Well, we suppress it and we say, oh, no, I shouldn't feel like that. Or I don't feel like that. Or I'm not jealous of her, her ass. Like, no, no. But what we're really doing is we're bypassing what's going on. Mm. So if you are jealous of your friend's, I don't know, big booty or whatever it is. Allow that. Yeah. Jealousy is just a feeling, just anything else. Like it's it's okay. You're meant to feel it. Like humans are created to feel everything. And once you feel it, you can be like, yeah, I am jealous. And 
I think by actually allowing yourself to feel it and saying it out loud, it takes away its power of you. It become you become so much lighter. Mm. So to answer your question, like I know what I want. I know exactly where I want to be and I know exactly what I need to do to get there. And yeah, every single day I practice that. I visualize that. I, I visualize her exactly what she's doing and how she's thinking, how she's talking to herself. But yeah, I'm still going to have thoughts popping into my head of doubt. Am I doing the right thing? Am I good enough? Is she better than me? Are people going to sign up? I think that's just normal. And I think we just have to accept that that's part of being human. Mm. I love your transparency, my love. I want to share my transparency. I'm probably the most critical person to myself and still working on that too. And I think it's really great that you are so relatable to your audience and you know where you want to go and you know within yourself the work that needs to be put in to get there. So I really appreciate you being so transparent. I really want to share my transparency in that too, you know, because one of the things I always ask my my guest speak is what are you working on yourself now? For myself, you know, that not good enough feeling has been something coming up a lot with my relationship with my father, which is non-existent. I really share that a lot of the times uh, on my episodes with my listeners that if there's anything I'm working on, I want to always be open to anyone that I am in proximity with. So the question to you, my love, what are you currently working on yourself, you know, with, with healing, with anything? Um. For me, at the moment, I'm really working on not allowing my anxiety to pull me back into those old actions. Yeah. So I have grown up in the last probably 15 years, I've had a lot of anxiety um, from, you know, toxic relationships, moving, it was life. and what happens when we create a lot of anxiety is, like I said at the start, like our, it kind of becomes our new normal. Yeah. And I've done a lot of self-destructive things in the past that keep popping up. And this is especially around dating. Like that's probably my biggest thing. And I think that, it, again, it stems back from my, wanting my dad's approval and never really feeling like I got it. So I've always had this a relationship to men that I need to prove myself constantly to feel good enough so that's where my anxiety really kicks in and like I mentioned to you before that I have been seeing someone and it's, it is something that is <laughs> it, that is kicking in like even this morning I woke up and like, we just had this great weekend and I'm still like shit like what if like what if he pulls away what, what if it doesn't work out like did I do something wrong like over analyzing everything that happened but what I'm really, really grateful of to myself now that I can have these thoughts and yes, I can freak myself out a little bit, mm. but I also have the tools to know that this is actually not true. Mm. It's not true. And I can journal about it and I can see that, okay, this is what happened. This is what I created in my head that happened, but this is actually what happened. So you can mm. see the two different things here, like what, our re- perceived reality of based on what happened in the past and what actually is true and then yeah just trying to let go of that control of needing mm. to just 
control everything and even with business like needing to control like when is my next client coming in and you know why have they not replied to me yet and stuff like that it's something that I'm always working on and I think that's that's okay I'm excited to hear about your love life by the way (laughs) I'll be visiting you in, in in Bali soon I know I keep saying that I'm like oh I can't wait to see you in person yes I know we're gonna have so much fun Yes, I think that's the scary part. We'll just have so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have so much fun, do so much healing, go to all the beautiful things. <laughs> My partner will be like, are you coming home? I'm like, mm, not yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about your business, babe, because, um, you know, a lot of our listeners are new to starting a business. You know, you obviously built this amazing empire. You know, what are the things you're working on for your business? You know, you're an educator, you're a speaker, you have your own podcast, you know, you obviously are coaching women all around the world. Um, Coming to the end of the year, what are the things you're working on for 2024? Yeah, so I'm really working on getting more speaking events. Um, So I'm at the moment, I'm doing a lot of guest speaking for other coaches where they hire me to come in as a guest speaker to talk about self-sabotage all nothing mindset um breaking those negative habits and stuff like that which i love doing um so that's something that i'm really working pushing more um Mm -hmm. also gonna do some collabs with other coaches that to hire me to come in as a kind of a guest mentor speaker um coach once a month for their clients to have kind of that opportunity to ask their mindset questions and ask how they can overcome them and yeah that's one of the things I'm really working on um, is doing more collabs like that but I'm also adding more modules into the empowered woman program so at the moment just full-on creative mode writing uh, recording stuff like that Um, just always just growing growing the community making the program even better than it is like I just want to I just want to be able to provide the value that and build like a literally build the program that I needed 10 years ago. Mm. Wow. That's beautiful. And you know what? It gets to evolve as you grow too. Don't you realize yeah. that? Yeah. 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 It's so cool. Like some of the clients that I have, I've had for years and like, it's so funny to start off with like as a nutrition coach and coaching even then and like, as my coaching grows, like they grow and they realize like, oh, wow, like now I can do this and that. And it's just, yeah, I said to him the other day, I was like, no, oh, you probably heard me like harp on about this like a hundred times now. Like, yeah, but every time you say it, it hits different. Because mm. every time that you say it, I'm in a different state of my life. So it's just, yeah, it's just been such a beautiful, yeah, right. It's just been such a beautiful process of, being able to grow with my clients and then also of course like taking on new people and educating more people and really opening up their mind to what's possible for them and I'm sure you can relate to that too like as women we're very taught to stay small and you know fit into a box and be the good girl and not too much but also not like too quiet and it's can be hard to find yourself like where are you here but what I really do is I help women take their power back to no longer be controlled by the limiting beliefs or the all or nothing mindset or the thoughts that they're not good enough or that they have they are a binge eater or that they are just a mom like I help them see that you have that power inside of you Mm. you've had it all along but you it's just been clogged 
by all of these limiting beliefs and thoughts and patterns that have controlled you for so long and break out of that. I'm really grateful that you're going to be really focusing on your speaking because you are an amazing speaker. The fact that I've just been able to listen to you this whole time, you speak so well. <laughs> you were definitely born to the stage. Make sure that happens next year. I'm watching you. <laughs> Such yes, an amazing I'm doing, yeah, I'm going to Sweden for Christmas. I'm doing one or two speaking events there, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. Um, and maybe some more in Bali next year, but that hasn't been locked in yet. So. <laughs> manifest it you got it it's there it's happening yeah. <laughs> timeline it's gonna happen <laughs> um i have two questions for you uh first one is for the listeners when it comes to navigating through the next step when it comes to like the self-awareness piece you know they've they've obviously realized that they've got something to work on they've either gone through um an eating disorder or have an eating disorder or disorderly eating, you know, besides the awareness piece and working with a coach, what would be three key points advice to give to those women listening that are not ready yet to ask for help? Yeah. Um, If you're not ready yet to ask for help, I would Try and think of a way every day that you can nourish yourself. No matter that if that is drinking a glass of water in the morning, if that is going for a walk, if that is going for, to the gym, you know, doing something for yourself every day to show yourself compassion and nourishing. Like nourishing isn't just for the body, it's or for like food, it's for the soul as well. So that could be a cookie, that could be a salad, like it doesn't matter. Um, so that's one thing. I would also try and spend a lot of time with your thoughts Mm. because it's very scary to do that and not many people do. And I think that's one of the key things that's really helped me this year that I've had so much alone time just sitting, doing nothing and allowed my thoughts to kind of pop up and have been in a situation where I haven't been able to act on them and then just been able to see that, ah, they just disappeared when I didn't do anything. It's a really cool experience when if you can do that. Um, and then if you're not someone who doesn't want to you know, get a coach right now, listen to podcasts, read books, you know, mm. clean out your feed, make sure that you're following people who actually make you feel good, who actually inspire you, not make you feel guilty. Like that's essentially like your morning newspaper that you're scrolling on every day. You want to make sure that you have a subscription to something that's good, that makes mm. you feel good. Ellen, it's been an absolute honor having you here, my queen. I honestly am so grateful that I've met you, well, virtually. I know I'll be <laughs> seeing you in person soon. Um, I always ask this one last question for the listeners, and that is if you were to give that one piece of advice, that key that unlocks the keys to the listeners' queendom, whatever that is for them, what would that one key be? I think it would be that everything that you've done that you're judging yourself for in the past happened for a reason. You did that because you thought that was right. Mm. And by accepting that part of yourself, you know, the inner bully, the slut, the, you know, the mean girl, the 
toxic relationship, whatever it is for you, mm. by accepting that that she knew what she did what she thought she had to do to survive. Just by doing that, you're gonna come so far on your healing journey. Accept all of you. Accept every part of yourself. Mm, that was so beautiful, my love. Seriously, thank you so much. And where can the listeners, our queens and kings? find you connect with you work with you <laughs> drop it all in babe <laughs> yeah 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 um so i have my empowered woman program which is a self-discovery program that's online of mm. course and i do both group and one-on-one so if you just follow my instagram just go to ellen grandstone you'll find all the details there um podcast is also linked everything is basically on that page there if you are a nutrition or fitness coach or even just like in the corporate world or whatever, like, and you want me as a speaker online, please reach out um, and we can have a chat about how I can help you. And that is it for Keys to the Queen. This is uh, Tamara Ma, your host with the beautiful Ellen. Make <laughs> sure you guys follow her. It has been an absolute pleasure, my queen. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun. <laughs> Thank you, beautiful human and everyone else. I'll see you all for another episode next Wednesday. Beautiful.